Good morning and welcome to the Environmental Echo Podcast. I am your host, Paul Boyce, CEO and President of PWGC. And today we've got a really exciting and dynamic uh, guest guests for our show, it's the Town Supervisor for Smithtown, Ed Werheim. Ed, welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm very uh, pleased to be here with you, gentlemen. We are fortunate to have you and we're going to get into some real interesting topics uh, around the town and, and how you guys are facing some environmental challenges and, and impacts. Also with us today, we've got Charlie Bartha, who again is a repeat offender on the show and I, I love having him. He's got a lot of good insights. He's one of our senior vice presidents, uh, now heading up a lot of our business development activities at PW Grocer. Uh, he's also part of our engineering group, and he's a former commissioner for Suffolk County Department of Public Works. Uh, and he's been real familiar with uh, Supervisor Werheim and, and the town of Smithtown for the last couple of years. Um, and it's just going to be, I think, an interesting discussion we're going to have today. You know, and like the rest of Long Island, Smithtown is evolving and experiencing growth-related issues. Uh, some of the current events include the proposed development of the Gyrodyne site. You know, that's that's certainly something we need to talk about. And on top of that, um, part of the discussions we've had on some past podcasts, uh, wastewater infrastructure. That's That has been a hot topic uh, for the last couple of years here on the island, as well as, uh, you know, some of your downtown areas in Smithtown. Uh, you've got St. James, Kings Park, uh, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, and then lastly, we, we do want to talk about that Hop Hog Industrial Park. Well, that, formerly known as the Hop Hog Industrial Park, I stand corrected. It's now the Long Island Innovation Park at Hop Hog, right? So that's that's all interesting. Uh, but before I begin, uh, just to let our, our listeners know, if you guys need to reach out to us for any comments, questions, suggestions, you have topics you want us to discuss in the future, best way to get a hold of us is through our website, which is www.pwgrocer.com backslash podcast. And with that, let's uh, I welcome our guests, and I'd like to start the discussion. Uh, so, Supervisor, could you just uh, give us a brief summary of the town's efforts to improve uh, the environment and the, and the economy in Smithtown? Sure, Paul. So um, we're very active as we speak about clean water initiatives, um, basically sewering uh, all three of our business districts. Something that's interesting about Smithtown that doesn't exist in most places, in each one of our hamlets, which is Kings Park, Smithtown, and St. James, we have a railroad station. So we're kind of rife for transit-oriented development, but certainly need to clean the water up first. So uh, let's start with St. James. St. James, we did a uh, $12 million restoration project infrastructure. Um, we took up Lake Avenue, which is a town road. Um, and while the road was up, we installed sewer mains from North Country Road to Woodlawn Avenue. Uh, that's complete sewer mains to the business. We also, at the same time, uh, installed brand new water mains uh, for the business district as well. Then the road was reclaimed, totally repaved, uh, sidewalks and curbs, um, stamped concrete, decorative work all completed, signage completed, and we are in the process now of working on off-street parking, which is another issue that needs to be included when you do your downtown business districts. Um, we bought a uh, parcel of property that was in tax arrears from the county, uh, raised the building, and that under construction now is off-street parking along with a community park in the center of St. James for summer festivals, concerts, things like that. So we're very excited about that. The hookup for the sewer main, um, we're still working on that. Uh, as you spoke before, Paul, Gyrodyne is one site yeah. that has possibilities. However, um, 
there are other possibilities as well. We are working with the county um, and Peter Scully, the sewers are yeah, on, on another location right now that's east of that where St. James may be hooked up as well. Um, so we do have options uh, in the event that Gyridine project does not work out. If you move west to Smithtown, our plans for Smithtown, we do have $20 million that was appropriated by the state of New York. It is uh, still accessible at this time. The problem with Smithtown is where we would uh, send the wastewater to in that business. So we have discovered a parcel. It's about 17 acres in the former psychiatric center in Kings Park. And we're working with the state uh, representatives and Governor Hochul to ascertain that property. If we do, we would need two acres of the 17 for leaching fields. That will allow us to run Smithtown Business District capacity into Sewer District 6 in Kings Park. So uh, we're very excited about yes. that. Keep um, my fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's probably the only way we're going to be able to sewer this, the Smithtown Downtown Business District. So we're very hopeful that we can make an agreement there. Um, then that would be engineered because um, it has not yet been done by the county, establish the sewer district and work on that. That's probably going to be the last business district done. Kings Park, if you go further west now, um, Kings Park is engineered. It's ready, shovel ready. There is a referendum on uh, December 14th this month. I believe there's about 172 voters eligible to vote on the sewer district. Um, we anticipate positive results there. We've, we've been through that entire community. And uh, once that's done, the county has indicated um, they should have a shovel in the ground probably late spring or early summer of 22. Completion date is 23. That should be completed um, right through the Kings Park Business District. So all three of our business districts um, environmentally and, and also economically are really, um, are really ready to explode. Wow. And so just for our, our, our listeners' benefit, when you said, you know, put sewers into the, the ground when you had the road open. So these are now just dry sewers, as we call them, correct? Correct. That's correct. So they're not they're not being used yet, but you guys had the foresight to, to put it in, you know, while the opportunity was present. Yeah. And believe it or not, um, the gentlemen are engineers. Um, we received some opposition for that. The original proposal was to do an overlay on Lake Avenue because the roadbed was in bad shape. Um, and put new sidewalks in. And uh, and I was one of the people that raised opposition to that and said, you need to put this infrastructure in now. Um, doing it later is, is, as you know, is is, uh, is not the proper way to do it. It's not happening to go and resurface a road twice. It's not the, it's not the, not the cost-effective way to do it. To get, uh, excuse me, Paul, but sure. to get the support for that kind of, those kind of projects, you've been involved in a number of things where, in my opinion, you've shown some real leadership both working across party lines because we need state support on this, but as well as county. But uh, what sounds like a small thing to most people, there was some parkland property involved, a small piece of parkland to use as a, as a pumping station. And typically electeds shy away from yeah. alienating parkland, being the phrase. Yep. Um, and people make like it's impossible. It's not impossible. Uh, you might want to tell us about that. Sure. Thank you, Charlie. And you're, and you're right. Um, a lot of times, you know, elected officials will shy away from that. And it is possible. The way you need to do it, in my opinion, is um, we went and had a, 
we reached out to civics. We reached out to chambers. I did work across the aisle. Um, I've always believed in that. I've been in elective office now for 15 years. I've been working in town government for about 45. Um, if you don't work across the aisle, you're not going to get much done. But you also need community input. And I found if you have community input and you get those people on your side and then the state and or county and federal agencies see that, it's a much easier lift. And I think that's what we uh, we had a uh, reached out to all those groups and, and got a positive feedback from them on what the benefits of doing that. It was a very small piece of property, too. Very small piece of property. Less than an acre. <laughs> but it was a big deal. It was a lot of work to go through, and most people would have just said it can't be done. Well, it, it really <clears throat> it worked out terrific. It did. It did. We're very, we're very pleased. Um, as I just said, these three business districts um, have a very, very bright future. So you mentioned, uh, I think, is, is it St. James? They're still their own water district. Is that correct? Yes, we have two districts. Uh, we have Smithtown and St. James Water District. So, um, of course, it's fed by Suffolk County Water. Yes, that's correct. However, when we were doing the infrastructure plans, um, the water mains in St. James were, I think, 46 years old. Um, and the community had built up around it. And actually, they were they were not sufficient for the uh, for the. Well, community get, itself. Got undersized. Yeah. And it's, you get fire flow protection and not only just water supply needs, it becomes fire protection, a whole bunch of other things. Another, another, just a note on, uh, on St. James. Um, sometimes you're very fortunate in government. Sometimes you're not, sometimes you are. Um, actually, uh, as terrible as COVID is, um, we worked and we had a mild winter along with that. We worked right through the entire winter and we brought that St. James project in uh, a little over a year ahead of time. Which was which was a plus because we were shutting businesses down as we were doing the construction work, so we lessened by a year the amount of time that we interfered with their business. The impact on the businesses, which I'm sure they had to appreciate. Yeah, you know, they did. From that standpoint, as well as the finished product that they ended up with, too. Sure, sure. You know, that's terrific. Um, you know, another thing that's it's near and dear to our heart at PW Grocers, uh, sustainability. Can you tell us what the town's doing regarding sustainable development and uh, maybe alternative energy or anything that you guys have in the works? Well, we um, actually Smith has won some awards um, from the state um, on on energy and and how we look to the future. Um, all of our off street parking lots that we have produced, we have one at Bellmead and Smithtown, one at Kings Park. Um, when we build those parks, we put charging stations in all of them. We have two charging stations at Town Hall. Um, we have our fleet vehicles, um, three quarters of the fleet vehicles we have are electric or hybrids. Um, so we, we move forward there. We also have um, a huge initiative with solar. As we speak, we're putting solar panels on our Smithtown Landing Country Club buildings. We put about two and a half or three million dollars into improvements for that golf course and pool complex um, in my first tenure. So uh, we're, we're very, um, we're very proactive when it comes to that. We're also looking at the possibility of solar over our capped landfills. Um, and there is a solar project that was completed two years ago, uh, right on uh, Northport and Indian Head Road. Um, it was a former uh, dry, golf driving range mm -hmm. that is now a solar project that powers um, multiple houses in that, in that community. So. Um, so we've done that um, as far as uh, clean energy goes. We continue to work on that. We do have one um, wind power 
uh, mechanism at the. I was going to go next question. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you're looking at wind at all. We are. We have one at our multiple service facility. Okay. That produces electricity. And of course, that's on our radar for the future as well. So we, our environmental department does a wonderful job uh, keeping tabs on, on what's going on, updating us on what environmental aspects are out there for wind or solar. So um, most of our town facilities have been converted to natural gas from, from fuel oil, um, which, is, which is a benefit as well. Um, so sustainability, um, when it comes to development, what we have started to introduce in Smithtown is uh, rental apartments. There really wasn't, Smithtown's basically a North Shore bedroom community, single family homes. Um, we have found some areas where we felt uh, proper development would be for these rental units. Um, and I can tell you that surprising to me as well. Um, for example, we did a project on uh, Jericho Turnpike in Coma, 98 market rate apartments. Uh, it's called Fieldstone. Um, they sold out in less than a year. And I believe they have about 29 people on a waiting list. Oh, wow. And what surprised me, quite frankly, was uh, in a good way, um, what we found was that a lot of the people that rented those apartments were previous owners of single family homes right in our town. They retired, but did not necessarily want to move away, you know, the proverbial move to Florida or or the Carolinas, which was which was pretty prevalent. Mm -hmm. They actually wanted to rent. Some of them may have a summer home in Florida, a winter home rather in Florida, but they wanted to rent these apartments so they had a turnkey so they could come up and down anytime they wanted. A lot of them have children here. And the benefit of it was younger families that are moving into Smithtown to raise their families bought those homes. Uh, so uh, that was a bit surprising to me as as well as to who's going to really rent these. But um, That's that project is completed and it was so successful. They're buying in the process of uh, purchasing the two properties to the east to uh, construct additional apartments. Very successful project. So that's that's going to be sustainable. We have same type of project, smaller scale, 36 units uh, on Indian Hill Road, Kings Park. Um, so we've done we've done a lot of that, and I think uh, we'll talk about some uh, lighted areas that we developed as well uh, that'll now be sustainable that weren't before. Wow, it was just a piece in the paper was it today or yesterday. There's one in there today about a, a building in Smithtown that's uh, yeah that's raise the, or rebuild. That, <laughs> I think the title that's, was. That's an interesting point that, that uh, Charlie brought up. Um, that building. Uh, burnt about five or six years ago. Um, the owner was going to reconstruct it, but then sold the property. And we have been in discussions with the present property owner for the last three years. And they keep giving us excuses why they can't develop it. We feel it's unsafe. There's no roof on it. If you saw the, the, uh, the view from the aerial view from it, um, we think it's an unsafe structure. So uh, we scheduled a public hearing. And if, if, if they don't come to the table to, uh, reconstruct the building we'll take it down and i want to ask you something else about um, municipal solid waste in, in the town of smithtown how are you guys managing that you know the landfill space in long island is just about done you know we've got to really look now to the future on how we're going to manage you know our garbage what's the town looking at well very interesting point paul when you bring that up uh, it it's one of the top priorities as a matter of fact i just attended a supervisor association meeting Suffolk County towns yesterday, 
and uh, Winter Brothers did a presentation on their proposed rail project um, in Brookhaven. We have one applicant, 52 acres on Northport Road, which is a heavy industrial area, um, next to the rail as well. And we've been working with that property owner for about two years now on the possibility of rail coming in right in Kings Park uh, to take some of the solid waste. Now, the issue here is we believe as supervisors, it's a regional issue. But frankly, we have been talking to state officials and federal officials for two or three years now with no results. And the Brookhaven landfill is slated to close in 24. Um, I don't think most people, it's not a sexy subject garbage, but um, it's a real issue that people have to start thinking about. Once that landfill closes, there's only two ways to truck, waste is going to have to be trucked off the island. The only two ways to do that, rail or truck. And we've been, I've been trying along with my town board and other supervisors have as well to try and explain to folks the detriment to adding 500 trucks a day to the Wild Expressway and the environmental damage that it's going to um, along with traffic, along with the damage to the infrastructure. It's probably the number one issue because it doesn't seem there are any answers from higher levels of government. And frankly, local municipalities aren't going to be able to handle that themselves. It's just not possible. So we're working on that one rail project. I know Brookhaven's working on a rail project. My belief is, and I'm I'm not ashamed to say it is, I believe it has to be rail. I I, I think, you know, trucking solid waste off the island is going to be hugely detrimental both environmentally and for the infrastructure and people's lives, traffic on that. Yeah. Uh, Quality of life. We've been involved in some of those projects, including the Brookhaven and uh, Supervisor Romain was actually on a podcast earlier this year. Talking about you both clearly in step with that. Um, and the, the information I've seen with respect to rail, it's so much more efficient, you know, is with respect to fuel. So it's an environmentally good thing. And the cars that they have now special for this purpose are sealed so tight that it's not a problem as far as odor or leakage along the route. Yeah, that's a big a, issue. A big problem, once you have the receiving station, municipalities will accept that, it's still the, the Long Island Railroad schedule, which favors the commuting lines. Correct. And that is, uh, that, that's a serious problem. It's certainly a state. Yeah, it, it it absolutely is, Charlie, and that's that's where our um, confusion comes in. Is they just don't seem to want to engage, and it's it's going to be on them. Uh, it has to be on them, and it has to be, uh, you know, rail on both places. The one we're working on, the one that supervisor remains working on, of course, uh, huge public opposition. I don't think they understand it. So, as I stated, our job is going to be to try and show them what detriment will be to the environment. And the fact that if there is no answer by 24, um, <laughs> solid waste disposal for residential communities are going to be astronomical on the bill to pay for that. Unsustainable, in my opinion. Where does uh, Smithtown solid waste go now? Right now, we, we are in a, a joint venture with Huntington. It goes to the Cavanta plant um, and they incinerate it. And then and it goes to Brookhaven? Uh, that's where the ash goes. Yeah. Ash goes to Brookhaven, and all of our C and D goes to Brookhaven as well. Interesting. So it's a it's a it's a 
it's probably the major, along with sewering business districts, to be able to build those uh, revitalized business districts, probably right right equal with that as the number one issue. Because it's going to happen. Two years will be gone before you see it. I couldn't agree with you more. Time is flying by, and in a topic like this, we, we've got to address it now. I mean, we're already too late. You know, it's it's we're behind the eight ball. Uh, so another issue that, that I, well, not an issue, but a topic, the town, you've guys, you know, you're up on the North shore of Long Island. You got a lot of waterfront uh, facilities and, and just waterfront, you know, from a resiliency perspective, what efforts has the town been undertaking to uh, preserve town services and you know, the amenities that you guys offer your residents? Yeah. For, for around, around well, right now around, um, I think we have about 40 miles of shoreline actually. Yeah. Um, boating is very popular. Um, we have our marina at Long Beach. Two mooring areas, one at the Kings Park Bluff and the Nessaquag River, and we have one at Long Beach. We're in the process now of renovating the uh, Bay Constable's offices at the marina, and we have in our capital budget proposals for 22 to engineer some repairs of what we call our sea slip side, which accepts boats from 25 foot down. And we have a long range plan um, that we're working on as well for larger boats to expand to about another 188 or 200 slips. Uh, so uh, we have a lot of a lot of work to do in the future for that boat. The, the future plan looks really good. We already met with DEC. We have some work being done on preliminary plans on how we would do it. Um, and again, it's a futuristic uh, a plan, but uh, we want to do that. Right now, the county is dredging the Nessaquag, mouth of the Nessaquag River, which has filled in, unfortunately, it fills in every um, and one of the advantages we're going to have, uh, and the Nessaquag River is, State of New York just uh, constructed, it's completed, and they're going to locate their DEC headquarters right in Kings Park. Yeah. And they're going to expand the marina as well. Uh, but that's going to be an advantage because we believe they're going to have five DEC boats there, including one of their 45-footers. We feel they will then take over and dredge the rest of that Nessacog out to the mouth. County just does the mouth coming in um, and they, they don't have the funding or the availability to do the rest. We think the state will do that because, of course, they're not going to put their DEC boats there and then leave them docked. They're going to want to get them out to the center. So we have a lot of environmental uh, you know, issues going on there that we're taking care of. Really is there anything you guys are doing like a little bit in terms of climate change or sea level rise that, that you guys are preparing the town for for future years we are uh well as far as climate change goes we're doing a lot of pre-planning for drainage issues a lot of our road drains and, and i know charlie will know this um you're now getting these two and a half three inch driving rainstorms and the, the drainage systems that were were introduced when we built all these subdivisions are inadequate now so we're systematically looking at all of those areas we have about three or four areas where we have had flooded homes that never flooded before. Uh, so we're working on that. Um, and we have a grant that we're in the process of doing now to raise Long Beach Road uh, three feet because going into Long Beach um, due to climate change, we feel um, the water levels have risen and you don't need a real substantial storm and that road floods over. And the, the, the reason it's imperative that we went to work on it immediately is two reasons. One, all of our Bay Constables and Marine Law Enforcement are stationed down there. So they would be either locked in 
or not able to get into their offices. And more importantly, there's a residential community at the end of that facility. I believe it's about 30 or 40 homes. Uh, they're blocked out too for the matter of public safety. When that road floods, you cannot get in or out. You're landlocked. Uh, raising a road three feet is no small undertaking. No, no. <laughs> so we, we did receive Pulsum grant money, which is very, very helpful. Good. That project is engineered and, uh, and, and ready to be started. That's terrific. You know, you mentioned it, you know, that the, the frequency and the intensity of these storms, uh, they're increasing, you know, and it's, as you mentioned, infrastructure we had designed and constructed years ago is no longer has the capacity to handle it, even if it's in pristine condition, you know, it just gets so, so overwhelmed so quickly. Um, you know, just we have to be more forward thinking, I guess, or, you know, and I know where this is maybe addressing a symptom. As opposed to, you know, how do you stop climate change if you can? But it's it's just amazing, you know, and you're not alone. You know, all the other towns on Long Island have to do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very, very evident. Just this year alone, uh, some of those storms that we had, I'm a third generation kid from, uh, from Kings Park. So I've lived here all my life. Um, my parents lived here. My grandparents lived here. And I can tell you, other than the winters were a little more severe when I was younger, as they are now, number one. But number two. Those driving rainstorms, um, in years before, you didn't see that kind of rain in this area where it come down. It's, you'd see it down in Florida or more towards the south, but it's it's a fact. And the frequency of it is certainly. Yes. Absolutely, Charlie. There's no question. And, and in a lot of places, I don't know about Smithtown, but maintenance that the systems were installed years ago, municipalities are historically uh, aren't spending money for maintenance. And you get sand in there. Some blockages before you know it. Right? Yeah, we have two uh, two new pieces of equipment. One we received on a grant. One we purchased our own uh, drain cleaning systems that go in and back them. And uh, and our highway department uh, spends far far longer time doing that now as a necessity than it ever did before. But you have to keep them clean. As a matter of fact, when I when I traverse from Kings Park to Smithtown to work, I constantly. Uh, bother the state of New York because their storm drains on 25A coming down, uh, they don't maintain them as frequently. And I, I let them know you all your drains are covered and you get another rainstorm, you're going to have a flooded state road. So yeah, we've been involved in a few of those projects. Yeah. Too. yeah oh yeah. Yeah. And they, not only that, but they get a lot of like pet waste going out to the Harbor, yeah. uh, like Northport Harbor and places like that. It's just, it's a problem. Yeah, it is. It's a big job and it's something that, have to be very active on because it's just a fact it's, it is happening it's not a myth and we have to adapt well maybe going back to the the winter side of things hopefully we'll be plowing less snow <laughs> well, less <laughs> less snow for us in municipalities is always wonderful uh, you know, i know that that is far more costly than the average resident believes it is the, the, the clear roads without a doubt charlie you're a man i know that knows that very well I've seen a lot of snow pushes. <laughs> <laughs> No doubt about it, Charlie. I see that. Uh, so, so Ed, I do want to, you know, um, recently Congress, everybody passed this this infrastructure bill um, at, at the federal level. What do you see? What do you hope you know, makes its way down to the, the town level for you guys? Well, um, certainly we're hoping to get our fair share. Uh, I will tell you, as a municipality, uh, that's not always easy. A lot of times this federal money comes from the feds into the state through the county and we're the last we're the last one on that total bowl. So uh you have to fight for it. Um so at this present time we're 
we're working on ARPA money that was given federal relief money. Uh, we got 5.1 million in August, this past August. Um, we are actively working on spending that within the requirements. And fortunately, um, we are allowed to spend a lot of that on drainage infrastructure and things like that, which we're funneling quite a bit of money into that area as we just spoke to uh, alleviate some of the major problems that we have throughout Smithtown. Um, also, it can be used for park improvements. Um, uh, we are using that to renovate some of our parks. And another thing we're going, uh, we're in the process of working on as we speak is a facade renovation program, uh, grant program. We are going, we haven't assessed the number yet, but we're going to have the grant program, probably a million dollars of that money aside. Any business owner in the business district, any of our three business districts that wants to do a facade renovation will match their money. So if, for wow. example, if they want to put a $20,000 improvement into their building as a facade renovation, we'll expedite the permit and we'll match the 20000 We think that's going to be a boost to have people start to do some of uh, some of the facade renovations because it's very costly nowadays. So um, we're working on that $5.1 million. We will receive $5.1 million in August of 22 as well. So we'll use that up. And to your point, Paul, we are already starting to call our state reps, our Congress representatives that are included in Smithtown and starting to make our demands that they do not forget us and make sure when that infrastructure money is available, we want to have our fair share. But we do have to fight for it. You do, and you also need, which it sounds like you have, uh, an agenda of what projects that you prioritize. Yeah, we do, Charlie. We've had, we, we have a booklet that we have sent to Congressman Zeldin just anticipating that the bill would pass. Um, so he has it um, and he's aware of it and we're notifying our, our state representatives. And really, if you, the best bet to get it is if you have some, improve some shovel ready projects, which we have indicated, um, it's a little bit of an easier lift to get that money because that's what they're looking for. They don't want it laying around. They want, to, they want you to prove that you're going to use it. Yeah, that's the intention. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed that the, the town gets some of that money and uh, it puts it to good use. Because uh, as you just pointed out, you, you do have some good uses for it. Yeah, we do. Certainly do. And, and you did. You touched on one of my my last topic here was uh, the town's parks and golf courses. I've been up there. I've, I don't think I've played at a town course, but I've been up to like the Nissaquag Golf Club. Absolutely breathtaking, beautiful, scenic views up there. I mean, even if you you know, even if you're not a golfer like myself, you know, I'm just hacking away. But just that Nissaquag River, everything. Um, what what's being done currently to, to improve the town's parks and golf courses? Are you guys doing any uh, you know additional parking, any bathrooms, uh, any different types of amenities or facilities for the residents? What, what's going on with that respect? Sure. So, uh, my first term as supervisor, we myself and the board, uh, we have spent thirty three point three million dollars in capital improvements in parks. Part of that was our Smithtown Landing Country Club, which is an eighteen hole golf course nine-hole golf course, swimming pool complex, and we have a catering facilities there as well. Um, we've put about $3 million into that. We redid all of the bathroom facilities, uh, modernized them all. Um, it's managed by Michael Hebron. He's one of the top 25 instructors in the world. Um, we've had him there for a while, MPH management. He runs the golf course, and then he pays us a fee, um, and, uh, and then that's his business to, to get the proceeds there. He has his... Uh, his academy there as well, uh, well attended by potential golfers going into the PGA. He's a very well-known uh, entity, and we want to make sure he stays there. 
So we've done a lot of work about, again, $3 million worth of improvements. Um, he has just hired a new uh, superintendent, uh, female, and she's been here a year now and doing a real wonderful job at Smithtown Landing. I, I would encourage you, uh, you know, to go down and play it. At one time, we were known as one of the top 33 municipal golf courses in the United States of America. It's oh, wow. A pretty popular golf course. Um, to your point, Paul, and, and Charlie knows, uh, the 18th hole, which is the signature hole, you take your drive out, and when you get to the end, you're overlooking all of the Nessaquag River in Long Island Sound. It's one of the most uh, beautiful scenes. I tell you, when, uh, I, when I'm there, I don't feel like I'm long, on Long Island anymore. It's just, it's just, it takes takes you someplace else. It is amazing. It, it really does. It's it's um it's just a great great facility. So we feel it's it warrants putting a lot of money into it. Um, we're working with the caterer now to do additional renovations on the interior of the buildings, um, and we'll continue to work with MPH on the golf course. In our park systems, um, the lion's share of that thirty three million went into renovate parks. When I took over, our parks were uh, rather deteriorated. There hadn't been much maintenance done in in a long time, hasn't been much funding put into them. Um, so we we went to work on a program, and we've we've improved about seventy percent of the parks. Um, we have about twenty five community parks in Smithtown. Um, we've done about seventy percent of them. Um, that's new port surfaces, making the restrooms handicap accessible. We've started to work on uh, some handicap playground equipment for uh, disabled children. Um, Fields, we're in the process now. We just uh, did a million-dollar improvement on two soccer fields, all synthetic turf in St. James, and we're working on two synthetic infields uh, for Little League as we speak. And one of our big initiatives was Flynn Memorial Park. Flynn Memorial Park was a uh, four-field complex that was built about 25 years ago. Uh, fairly deteriorated. It was all grass. It was expensive, but we felt worth it. We, we did a $7 million project there. It is the only facility like it on all of Long Island. Um, it's attracting people this season from Virginia, uh, New Hampshire. Teams are coming down to play. They had left that facility years ago, U-Triple-S-A softball, built softball. Um, used to have their, uh, their, their national tournaments there. It was so deteriorated, they left and went to New Jersey and Connecticut, but they're all coming back now. So it's all four fields are completely synthetic. Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's we have concessions. Uh, we have a $250,000 playground there for the moms that come with the children to watch their husbands play. It's a wonderful facility. Um, we opened it up this is the first year, and it's going to be a revenue generator for the town um, just from fees playing. And USSA uh, has a huge interest in bringing the national tournaments back, which results in a boom to the higher economies and outside of Smithtown, quite frankly, hotels, restaurants, because when they come, it's generally a one week elimination playoff, but they bring their families and everything. Here. So it's, uh, we're, we're really proud of that facility. Uh, another thing that we encountered is um, you probably heard about it. I'm sure I didn't even know what it was, but pickleball has become like <laughs> so huge. I had no idea what it was. So my parks director kept talking about it. I'm like, what is it? And he goes, well, it's like a smaller tennis court. And so one weekend channel surfing, I, I hit this and I see this pickleball tournament. It was actually being played in Miami. So I, 
I stayed on it for an hour to watch what it was really about, but it is huge. So we're, we're in the process of now converting some of our tennis courts to pickleball. Oh, Charlie's a big tennis player. Yeah. You're not winning him over. No, him. I'm not. <laughs> but I, I have friends that uh, play pickleball in Florida and really good athlete when he was a kid, kids, uh, but uh, he loves pickleball. It's, it's really become popular and a lot of, it takes up less area. So a lot of the uh, subdivision work we've been doing, they're looking for pickleball, which is nice. It's huge. I had learned from you a while ago about uh, that Smithtown was center for softball years ago. And then, and you know, you said you were you know, looking to bring that back. I give you a lot of credit because you brought some new dynamics to the town, certainly. And uh, it's good. Well, thank you, Charlie. Uh, we're real proud of it. And, and I was... My former career was parks director, so I have an affinity well. for, for parks and recreation. And back in the mid-80s, uh, USSA, as I said, their whole northeast corridor, um, they played all of their championship games in various parks in Smithtown. And the economy that week was uh, just immense for businesses because they frequented every deli, every restaurant, every hotel. Um, we don't have many in Smithtown, so the hotels outside of the perimeter of Smithtown benefited by it so uh we're very pleased at work because we this was our first season and uh and they're going to come back so it's going to be it's going to be great yeah oh, that, that's fabulous that really is. I, to wrap up i just have one question it's it's something i, I gotta ask you know, we're almost two years now into a pandemic how has covid19 affected how the town does business these days what, what kind of long-term changes or changes have you guys pivots have you made you know what have you done differently to address the pandemic well, um, look, first of all, horrible disease. Um, and, and now, as we all know, it's, it's the variants are there. It's continuing. Yep. Um, what we did in Smithtown initially, um, we kind of preempted some of the other towns, quite frankly. Um, what we did, we took it very serious immediately. Um, we thought as a town board, you're certainly going to see a fiscal impact. We believe that would happen. So uh, we took immediate steps. Uh, to control that. And then we set up a matrix with all our businesses to try and keep our businesses in business. Um, so from a fiscal standpoint, we immediately imposed a 15% cut in all discretionary spending. And we put an early incentive out. Uh, 14 employees that were eligible took uh, the incentive. It saved the town $1.3 million. Um, so we came out of COVID uh, fiscally stable. Even at the last year, we still attained a AAA bond rating um, and still had proper reserves in place. So we took some early steps. We, we furloughed our employees uh, 50% uh, one week off when we gone for about eight weeks. Those were uh, essential employees, highway, sanitation, parks. Our office staff, we did a lot of uh, um, work from home remotely. And to your point, Paul, we've learned now that uh, – we can do a lot more remotely than we yeah. ever anticipated. Zoom, Teams, um, we have implemented a lot of that in town now. So a lot more efficient. And we think, you know, going forward through attrition, that's going to, if governments pay attention to it, you're going to be able to run a little leaner and a little meaner because um, it works. Um, I was a skeptic, quite frankly, but it works. We've had our board meetings, public hearings. People people are at their kitchen table uh, calling in and uh, – and so it's really working. So we did the best we, we could with our employees. We also hired a company called Radish. I think uh, Babylon did it as well. Our supervisor 
Schaefer. Um, we offer that. We still have it in place. If an employee gets up, they call Radish. Uh, we have medical staff on, on hand. If they don't feel well, they'll tell them what the symptoms are. Um, if they believe they should be tested, they tell them go to our public safety department, get a rapid test. Um, test results come back the next day. Um, and they tell them to stay home. If they're negative, of course, they come to work. If not, they're quarantined. So um, it has changed the whole dynamic of, of government. It has made it much more complicated. Um, when you start quarantining employees, uh, two weeks ago, uh, we had our uh, almost all, I'd say seven-eighths of our building department was out, either Ooh. with positive COVID cases or people that were in close contact. So we've also, I think every government entity did it. We redesigned our offices, uh, made some more rooms, separated desks, anywhere our employees deal with the public. It's all plexiglass now. So a lot of changes in People are starting to adapt. One of the one of the main issues we all had was tax collection. Um, can't have all these people lined up in town hall uh, together. So uh, we, for two years, the two tax collection seasons, uh, we did it outside town hall. We set up a whole outdoor tax collection drive up, pay your taxes right there. Oh wow! Uh, not get, <laughs> don't even have to get out of your car, and uh, and, and the public appreciated it. Our employees appreciated. It. And we collected all our taxes that way because otherwise town hall is, you know, they're wrapped around the hallways in town hall notoriously uh, to pay taxes. So uh, we put, uh, you know, you can pay online. Uh, that's been in place for some time. And we added additional drop boxes where folks could come and put their taxes in. So changed government. Um, but there are a lot of advantages that I think we all discovered we can work with. And, uh, and look, we hope like everybody else did at some point this virus goes away. Well said there, for sure. Uh, Charlie, you have anything you want to add before we wrap up for the no, day? I'm good. Well, then I, I do want to thank our guest, uh, Supervisor Werheim from the town of Smith, Smithtown. Terrific having you. Very insightful. We, we've learned quite a bit just speaking with you, and it's great to hear how well the town is doing uh, under your leadership, and uh, we look forward to more of it. Uh, Charlie, I also want to thank you for joining us again, our Senior Vice President and Director of our you know, business, direct, uh, business Development Operations now. And uh, I am Paul Boyce, the host, CEO, and president of PWGC. I, I want to thank our listeners for joining us today on this enlightening discussion. And again, if you guys need to reach us, would like to reach us, the best way to do that is through our website, www.pwgrocer.com backslash podcast. And this is the Environmental Echo, and we are signing off. Thank you.